All right, we are recording. We're good to go. Welcome back, everybody, to the Ucom Connect podcast. Uh, this is, of course, Michael Lilly, joined as always by Neil Height. But today we have a special guest, an honored guest, as we say in our worship services. We have Chris Cassidy is joining us, one of our elders here at Double Springs. Uh, Chris, why don't you just uh, briefly introduce yourself to the people who maybe don't know who you are. Well, I, as you said, I'm, I'm one of the elders, one of the shepherds here. Um, so I'm so proud of the work we do with UCOM and other things. And uh, nothing like you giving me 30 minutes uh, of notice to, to come join you guys today, which I was glad to do. But uh, uh, glad to be here and uh, always, uh, always glad to support the, the work we do in helping some of our brother congregations. Awesome. Well, uh, I hope you're ready to uh, give some insight uh, into our topic for the day. Uh, it's it's going to be evangelism, but before we get to that, uh, Neil, why don't you tell us where where our boys were last week and where they're going to be this this coming week? Well, most folks canceled last week. It was a little bit slick out there. Yeah, it was kind of icy. We wound up the the only one we had from UConn going was Landon did go to Stone okay. and led singing there for us. The rest. Either uh, we had one preacher who was unable to get out of his driveway, literally, and then the rest of the congregations that we had uh, planned on sending someone, they called me and said, hey, it's just too slick. So they wound up canceling out. This coming Sunday, January the 28th, man, that's crazy. It's the last Sunday in January. Yep, we're already a month in. Wow. Uh, Michael McCormick is going to take care of Beach Grove for us. AC will be at a new congregation that we're working with called Cherry Creek down towards Sparta. Okay. And I'm going to be at Mayland over toward uh, Crossville. Yep, Cumberland so, County. Just three of us this coming Sunday. Uh, February is, is pretty loaded, so should get some folks penciled in tonight for that and know what we're going to do in February. But we've got a lot of folks that need help in February. So, Well, uh I know I'll be praying for them. I encourage everybody else to pray for those congregations and the work that's being done there as well. Um, But with that, uh, I'd like to spend some time today talking to you guys about evangelism. And me and Chris kind of talked about it a little bit in a meeting we had earlier today. Neil, I kind of hit you up last night and kind of threw that at you. And I purposefully left it a little bit open-ended um, but I just want to get your guys' thoughts on where the church is in, to, in, in this day and age, in this generation with uh, evangelism. And, and just your, your thoughts about it. So, uh, guys, whichever one of you wants to kick off with that first. Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting, uh, Michael, when you talk about that and I don't know if you had this as a topic already or if this is somewhat driven off of Chase's lesson Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, but that, a whole lot of his lesson was about uh, evangelizing, and uh, one of the things that I found very interesting, and uh, Chase used the word at one point, evangophobia. Evangophobia. Uh, you know, which is not a word I had heard before, but I, I instantly understood the meaning, <clears throat> uh, and I do think that, that that's one of the... the issues with the church as, as a whole, not necessarily just our congregation or, or any congregation in particular, uh, I fear sometimes we've gotten too insular that we've, well, we're here and people know we're here and 
they'll they'll come see us if they want to talk to us and um, and we've we focus too much on what we're doing inside the doors of the building and maybe not enough on what we're doing outside the doors and that's not I, I want to be very clear that's not me preaching to other people that's that's me talking about ways maybe that I've failed or not been as good as I could be and, and I've heard folks when I've talked to them about it uh, I'm just I'm afraid to ask a question I, I don't know and that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've yet to meet someone who knows everything about the Bible. I've met some folks who could quote just about, I think almost all the New Testament without ever opening it. But they will still tell you I've still got a lot to learn. That kind of kind of brings up something that I was going to bring up. In, in the, the, the fact being that a lot of a lot of Christians today, uh, for whatever reason, I don't I don't know how to to say this softly, but they don't know how to share Jesus and how how their faith has affected their life. Right? They don't know how to explain what they believe. They just believe it. They don't know why they believe it. They just believe it. I think we have a a almost a Bible literacy issue, or at the very least a theological understanding issue of, you know, we believe these things, we teach these things, we, we believe that they're true, but we can't really tell you why. And that's a very real thing, a very real fear, fear that people have that I'm going to be asked a question I don't know the answer to, but why don't you know the answer to it? Why do we have people in our pews who have been Christians their whole lives, who don't know the answer to those questions. And I think it comes back to something that me and Chris spent some time talking about, is that we have a evangelism problem because we have a discipleship problem. Because we aren't investing in the people that we have, and we aren't teaching them and bringing them along to, to really uh, teach them what the Bible says and why we believe what we believe and why we teach what we teach and preach what we preach. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, I, Neil, you grew up in the church, right? I did. Yeah. Neil and I both uh, grew up in the church and uh, Michael, I, I know you didn't. Uh, I, I don't know over the course of time how much you've gotten into that or not gotten into that here. But I, I would say, and my guess is Neil's going to nod his head or, or say yes, I wasn't ever taught how to evangelize, um, and that's nobody's fault. I'm not, but I, but I think that goes back to your point. You used the term uh, discipleship. You know, I, I think we're taught when we're young, historical, historically, and, and traditionally here now for probably a few hundred years, really since uh, uh, since Campbell Stone and you know, uh, etc. We're taught what's right. We're taught what's wrong. We taught, we're taught what we ought to do. We're taught what God expects. And, and, and in many ways, those are very internal things. Those are very personal things. And I fear one of the ways we've missed the last few years is teaching people how to evangelize, how, how to make disciples. There has to be a... well. Being a teacher for 27 years, you need a plan. Mm-hmm. 
And we're never taught, here's a method that you can use. If you can go through this, folks may have and probably do have more knowledge than they actually think they have. Yeah. They just need some way to organize it so they can go to that. And, oh, okay, so it this, then this, then this. Um, and what you'll run into a lot with folks that, that you're trying to evangelize, they don't understand the, the, the love and, and mercy and grace of God, but they want to discuss Revelation with you. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know... You want to, you're, you're not even a babe yet. You're just beginning. You're still being fed through the umbilical cord. You haven't been <laughs> born again yet. Yeah. And you're wanting, you know, filet mignon. And it just doesn't work that way. You, right. it, it, it takes some things. And, and Peter talked about that, that there were folks who would take things that Paul had written and they would rest them or twist them to their own destruction. But then he finishes it as they do with the rest of the scriptures. Yep. I think that comes, that reminds me of uh, something that I've heard Rob Whitaker say, um, who is, uh, basically runs the House House Heart to Heart School of Evangelism, mm-hmm. um, goes around to different Christian colleges and congregations and teaches people about evangelism, um, that when you, you're going to run into those situations, like you said, where they don't understand the very basics of Christianity, but yet they want to talk about revelation and prophecy and all these other things. And it can be hard to keep people on track and be like, well, let's... And one of the, the exercises or, or tips that he gives is when somebody does that to you, just work with them and say, okay, let's, let's write that down and we're going we're gonna to get there, but we need to build up to that point. So I don't want to forget about this conversation. Let's write it down. And we'll come back to it when we're ready for it. Absolutely. And let's get back to, to where we were. Um, and so. many times those questions resolve them on themselves. They'll come exactly. to their own conclusion. Yeah. Which that's another thing. Folks have got to come to their own conclusion. Yes. And some folks move more quickly toward a conclusion than others do. Um, I think folks get, <laughs> folks get discouraged because they'll set up a Bible study and they'll have a Bible study and it'll go really well and maybe they'll go back a second time and it's gone really well and they think, okay, they're ready. I grew up in church, you grew up in church, right? How many classes and sermons did you sit through before you obeyed the gospel? I'd hate to go back and count. I would hate to go. But I want somebody out there who doesn't have that background to study with me two hours, and yes, this is what I'm supposed to do. I know it. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that goes back to, um, you know, Paul said, you know, uh, uh, and I'm, again, I'm not good book, chapter, and verse sometimes, but that uh, that uh, God gives the increase at the end of the day. All mm-hmm. we can do is go out and sow and water. That's I think Christians. he said he sowed and Apollos watered and God gave yeah, the increase. In, yeah, but... When we sow, you don't just sow one time. Or when we water, you don't just water one time. If we keep sowing and we keep watering, God will give the increase. And and I we're we talk a lot. We we talk Sunday in in the young adult class. We live in a microwave society now, and and I think that has pervaded its way into the 
uh, into the church in some ways. Well, I think you're absolutely right. Well, we studied with them three nights. How, how, you know, how can they not see this? Everything now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's another side of that, too, where, like you said, we want that instant feedback, that very quick, okay, or, or you know, it could be a Bible study. It could be, well, I invited them to church, and they heard that sermon. Why didn't they respond? Why didn't they get baptized? Did you follow up? Exactly. And that's that's the point I'm getting at. We have turned we've turned our worship services into an evangelism tool. We have turned our internal worship services into we, we try to use them exclusively for evangelism. And I think it there's there's a few problems with that, right? <laughs> the now one analogy that I gave Chris earlier was it's it's like you're going into a a nursery at a hospital, you spray milk over the babies and say, okay, they're all fed. You cannot expect people who don't know anything about Jesus or have a lot of preconceived ideas about Jesus to come and hear one sermon and know exactly what they need to do in order to change their lives and follow Jesus. You, you're, you're expecting too much of them and you're corrupting really the, the purpose of preaching. Um, and, and to that point too, I feel like we, we almost put too much pressure on preaching and try to make it do something that it's, at least internally, is not really intended to do. We, we want to preach to, to glorify God, to uh, exhort the, the people around us and to teach them something, but we also turn around and, and we act like evangelism is a preacher's job. And well, if they didn't respond that, uh, that, well, that the preacher's sermon wasn't good enough or the preacher didn't follow up with them. So that's the preacher's fault. The preacher needs to be the one out here evangelizing people. Folks, the great commission was given to everybody. And the great commission was not to go out, drag people to the water and dunk them in it and say, you've been saved from your sins. The great commission is go and make disciples. You don't make a disciple overnight. You don't make a disciple by spraying milk over them and saying, well, you've been fed. Why, why won't you do what I tell you to do now? Well, you, you know, Michael, you said that. And <clears throat> so many times, I, I think today, we put way too much on the preacher. Uh, we've talked about as, as elders, as shepherds, there are, sadly, there are many congregations, and we probably do it here at times, that the, the shepherds, the, the elders, the, the leaders have basically turned over their responsibility, their, their calling, to the preacher. Uh, and by that same token, I think congregationally, in way too many instances, we've turned over the the. evangelism that what we ought to be doing well the preacher's going to take care of that that's Neil's job I, I've, I've got to go to work next week and I've got to and, and that's, that's, what, that's what we pay Neil to do and you, you know you just look and, and we could go through all of Paul's letters but the church at Corinth how many sermons did Paul probably physically teach at Corinth 
I mean, I don't know. We'd have to go back and look at the history. But relatively speaking, very few. And when Paul was gone, there had to be somebody else there that that still evangelized, still took yeah. part, still. And and I think again, I just think we've lost a lot of that because we've we, we've yep. we've put that on and, to the preacher. We, you, we have delegated that and relegated that yeah, you, to you, the preacher. Those you, were words I was a, trying to find a minute ago. You uh, make a good point that you say when when Paul was gone, somebody had to keep evangelizing. They didn't have one person evangelizing. No, no. In the first century, second century, third century, granted, the church faced a lot of persecution, but at the same time, people knew who the Christians in town were. It was very evident by the way that they lived their lives. They evangelized without really having to say much at all. Do we live our lives evangelistically without using our words. I think that's one of the big problems we have. I, I told Chris this earlier. I heard a preacher this past week say that he, he was very convicted by his atheist neighbor because his neighbor, who had lived next to him for years, had no idea that he was even a Christian, let alone a preacher. And he asked, well, how, how did you not know? How could you overlook that? He said, because your life is no different than mine. Who? You don't look and you don't live any differently than I do. And unfortunately, I think that's also a problem that we face in the church is that we don't evangelize and people may not even know we're Christians because we don't live like it. We don't look like it. And... If they do know that we're Christians and they see us living like the rest of them, that's even worse. Absolutely. If if I'm not different and I'm trying to, to teach you and tell you how different it is to be how great it is to be a Christian, if I'm not any different than, than, than what you can see everyone else, why would you want what I've got? Exactly. No thanks. How do you think the church grew the way that it did in those first few centuries? It's because people saw how the Christians were living, how they cared for each other, how they lived together, how they treated other people, even those that weren't Christians. And they thought, you know what, I, I, I want to be a part of that. If I look like you look, and I act like you you act, and I live like you live, like you said, then what is it you're offering me that's yeah, different? Yeah, yeah. What's what what? Why is it any better for me to be a Christian than for me to just keep living for myself? You know, Paul says in Romans, in Romans chapter twelve, you know that we're not supposed to be conformed to the world. And then Peter says that uh, we're supposed to be separate we're supposed to be different um, and again I, I fear and particularly here in the u.s uh, we as as a lot of congregations in the upper cumberland area do support mission work specifically to to india there's other places but every year when we have a presentation on what the mission works done in the past year guys the christians in india 
Mm. What they do, they the, are hot. The, the persecution that they face, the you know, I, I I come away every year after that presentation thinking we've got it too easy here, which allows us, or or I, I allows is not the right word, but it, it allows us to look a whole lot more like the world. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, over there. They either are or they aren't. There isn't any in-between. We have the ability to be a whole lot in-between here. And, and again, that's to our detriment. I Absolutely. That's, that's not a compliment. Yeah. You're just talking about being an example. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, in the first chapter, in verse 7, he says, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. You became examples. Who you are, what you are, what you do, it's gone out there. People know. People, people heard know. about what this church in Thessalonica was doing. And that's what you're supposed to act like. That's what a Christian looks like. Can they say that about us? I, I said, Neil, uh, Michael's mentioned a couple of times we were meeting earlier today discussing some things, going over some things. We use the term mentor all the time in today's world, and, mm-hmm. and we usually use that from a business perspective. Uh, teacher, you have teacher mentors. When, when you're a young teacher, the, the gentleman who was my mentor when I was growing up as it related to work and, and the business world, I, the, the point I made to Michael, he didn't mentor me by the things he told me. He mentored me because I got to watch what he did every day. I didn't have to ask him, how do you handle this situation? Because I watched him handle it. I didn't have to ask him how do you do this or how do you do it? Because I watched him do it. He didn't have to come tell me, Chris, this is how you do this. I watched him. Who's watching? When they're watching us, is it easy for us to lead them to Christ and, and to use that term, be mentors, be disciples yeah. by what we're doing? Yeah. And again, my fear is today so many times, no, we, we don't. Yeah, and that's... What I we're mean, doing isn't different enough. And, and I mean, that's, that's what discipleship is, right? You... Are whether you're you're the mentor or the mentee, you are or you have learned from someone who has been there and who has done that, and you watch them and you learn from them and you learn to pattern your life the way that they've patterned their life, and really, what it what what I think it comes down to is, and I I said this earlier and I'll say it again that we have an evangelism problem because we have a discipleship problem. We, as the church universal, if you go back and look at church history, we have, we, or we had a lot of guys that were on fire that were great examples of how to be a Christian who taught the next generation, who taught the next generation, but then something changed and we have lost that fire and we've lost that pattern somewhere along the way. I don't know where it is. I can't put my finger on it. Going back and looking at church history, numbers, all that stuff. I mean, that's what I do for a living is analytics. But really, if we could get back to true discipleship of truly investing in younger generations and in in new babes in Christ, whether they're 
50 years old or 20 years old or 80 years old. It doesn't matter. If we could invest in those people, teach them really what it means to be a Christian, the evangelism will happen naturally because they will go out, they'll live their lives patterned after Christ, after the way Christ taught everyone else to live their lives. And and it's the same thing with you know, we, everybody says, well, we want to bear good fruit and we want to bear the fruits of the Spirit. The only way you bear good fruit is abiding in Christ. The only way you have the fruit of the Spirit is walking in the Spirit. That's the whole point, is if you're not living your life closely following Christ or, or following the Spirit, then, yeah, you're going to look like the rest of the world. Your branch is going to be cut off from the vine. You're not going to bear good fruit. You're going to be thrown into the fire. And so I, I, I strongly feel, and I've, I've started a discipleship group because I feel so strongly about this, that if we would truly focus on discipling our people and really getting them to radically change in the way that Christ came to tell people to radically change that the evangelism will take care of itself it should uh, create opportunities now tell me why do you believe that why do you believe this or tell me about this they if they've come to you with that question you've already got their attention they're wanting yeah but so many times I, I think exactly what we've been talking about folks don't see anything different about you so why should I ask you about your belief look you look just like I do and if you look like I do then I should be good enough right yep <laughs> why do I need to change you well know? And, I, and I think you know you know you said that I, I think that's one of the one of the ways that the world creeps in I, I hear regularly, uh, if not often, you know, well, I know some of those people you go to church with, and they're not perfect. They're not good people. They do X, Y, or Z. Well, no, there isn't anybody that's going to be here Sunday that's perfect. But uh, but that is to your point. Well, but if Michael can do X, Y, and Z, and, and he's a Christian, well, I, I feel like I'm as good or better than Michael now already, so why should I change anything? No, I, I, I think that's a really, really good point. And Michael and I talked too, and, and again, because of, of the UConn work, you're gone a lot on Sunday mornings, uh, <laughs> Neil, but uh, yeah, two Sundays ago, uh, a whole lot of Richard's sermon uh, was about we define faithful in so many cases mm. as somebody that was sitting in the pew. They were, they were faithful attenders. They were there every Sunday morning. Well, that's, that's the and, thing is, is they were faithful attenders, but were they faithful Christians? Right. And, outside of and, these and walls. we way too many times we've tied those two together and then you hit, hit on what I was about to say Michael and again you and I talked about it what we do inside the walls matter but what we do outside the walls just as much matters just as much as it relates to design, to discipleship just as much if not more you know uh, but we've been to we sit inside the walls and hey guys people know we're here they'll come see us you know, if they've got questions, they'll. No, we we got to be out there amongst them. Yeah. Well, I, 
I think we've forgotten that to some extent. That the purpose of the church is twofold. Absolutely, it is to encourage and uplift and exhort those who are here and those who are wayward to bring them back. That's the inward. But the church was so interesting in spreading the gospel in the first century. You see churches who want to send assistance and if you will look closely, many times they said, and share in the fellowship. You read that in context. We want to send some folks, or some of us want to go along with you to help you go help that other congregation or to help that area that you're taking this money or whatever you're taking to. When you read that in context, they didn't just want to say, okay, well, we've, we've got something they don't have, so we'll send it to them. We've got something they don't have, and we want to take it along and share it with them. Yeah, That's the difference. <clears throat> they wanted to be a part of it. Do we want to be a part of one another? Because that's what fellowship is. Yep. And, you know, we, we talk about the things that the church in the first century did. And when you start talking about outward things, and you start talking and you bring evangelism in, into the conversation of how the first century church did it. Of course, we talk, we've talked a lot about the lifestyle that you live and it, your faith being evident in the things that you do and the way you live your life and the way you treat people. But something else that the first century church did that the modern church does not do, which I talked to Chris about, I've talked to you about, is go out to the public places. The, the church in the first century, people like Paul, Peter, the apostles, Timothy, Titus, those guys, they went to synagogues. They went to places where Greeks were worshiping their own idols. And they went to marketplaces where there were lots of people and they preached Christ to the public out in the open air not just inside of a church building not just in somebody's house they preached in public and I think that's something else that we are missing is we're not we're just not preaching Jesus to the public well I, I was going to say Michael and, and you used the example of Paul specifically I think so many times, even when we read those scriptures about him being at the synagogue and him teaching, we equate the synagogue with, again, okay, well, they were having services that day. It was the Sabbath for them. And yes, Paul did go speak when they, on the Sabbath, and when they, but the synagogue to them was, in many ways, the outer parts of the synagogue, the outer parts of, of the structure, that was where they traded. That was where the public met. The, and, the and, poor came for assistance. Yes, that's and, and, and that's where Paul went and spoke too, to your point about preaching out in public. He wasn't just going on Sunday morning and was there at yeah. 10 o'clock to preach. He was going when the guys were there doing their daily trade and preaching the gospel. And we certainly have not done that uh, really in, in my lifetime very much. Well, uh, that's something that... Not that, in this area. That's something that I feel very strongly about and that I personally am going to start doing around here. Uh, if anybody's listening and interested in preaching in public with me, uh, you're more than welcome to come along, but I'm going to get some things together and I'm, I'm, I'm going to start doing that. Um, and I encourage other people to, to think very, very pointedly about that, be in prayer about that. Um, I know I I feel convicted to do that. Not everybody's going to, but um, I, I would encourage people just to consider 
that idea of, of preaching in the public, in the open air, to everyone that has ears to listen. Uh, well, we are short on time. Um, is there anything else you guys want to say to close us out? Uh, any other thoughts or ideas, things that you want to share? If not, uh, Chris, would you like to do the honors of closing us with a word of prayer? Sure. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we have the opportunity to do things in today's modern world, such as podcasting, such as live broadcasting, our services and our Bible studies. Heavenly Father, we, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to put your word out and to spread your word. Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm so thankful and, and pray for men like Michael and Neil that do preach your word and, and study your word and um, are, are thoughtful and diligent in how they do that and want to go out and want to make disciples of others. Heavenly Father, I, I pray as we study on this and as we work on this that... Uh, that we will bring other people to you, that we'll go out into the world, and that we will be different than the world so that they can see you and see your Son in us. Heavenly Father, we know that without Jesus, without your Son, we wouldn't have anything, any hope, and it's in his holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.